Good morning. How is everybody doing? Really? You, you lost an hour. It's uh, some, yeah, that's true if you were wise, but uh, I definitely lost the hour. In fact, I think I was even awake uh, when that hour was magically taken away. I looked at the phone. Three? When that happened? Uh, which happens actually oftentimes that just uh, Mr. Open Book. Uh, I don't sleep well on nights before I preach. There's too much going on in my head. I don't know. John, maybe you sleep like a baby uh, as a seasoned veteran, but uh, I, uh, I don't, and I never really have, um, but I'm very proficient at naps, so that will, uh, that will be coming later today. Anyways, uh, I, I'm thankful for this opportunity to uh, preach. If you came expecting Hebrews, I'm, I am truly sorry. Um, uh, I, uh, I'm so thankful for Pastor John. And uh, when he said he was doing Hebrews, I think, like, uh, you know how, like, John the Baptist slept inwardly <laughs> in the womb when he heard Mary's voice? Um, I kind of had that same thing when I heard Hebrews is going to be taught over the next, how long did it take? A couple years? Who knows? <laughs> but, um, uh, I heard that, and, and, you know, 50 years old, been in church my whole life, and I have never, ever had the book of Hebrews taught uh, in, a, in a Sunday morning or even a Sunday night type environment. And so um, it's a fantastic book, and we are going to really learn over the next uh, whatever time God gives us uh, in the book that Jesus is so much better. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited. So we'll be looking forward to that next in the next weeks, in the weeks to come, that's happening. So John says, hey, uh, by the way, he was at a conference this last week. We like it when our pastor gets to go and be refreshed and receive spiritual nourishment. And uh, I got a good report from him briefly this morning about the conference he was at. And uh, so he said, hey, it's for, to get real good rest, he didn't have to prepare a message this week. And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll step in. And how many of you don't have a problem with like multiple viewings of a of a of a movie, or maybe you don't have a problem watching like every rerun of a of a of a TV show that's in syndication? It doesn't you watch it over and over again. You've seen it seen it many times. I have that for quite a few things, but movies are one of them. And and I'm not much of a TV watcher. It's been less and less just due to time and whatever. But sometimes I'll be flipping channels, and like 99% of the time there's just nothing on, and uh, and. If you have something fantastic, I'm, I'm not saying TV is bad. But, you know, you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, oh, something comes on. And my kids will go, Dad, what are you watching? I'm like, uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. <laughs> You've seen that many times. Well, why are you watching it? Because it's on, and I like it. It's my, one of my favorites. Okay, and they'll sit down for a minute, and then a commercial comes. Don't we own this on Blu-ray? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, why are you watching it on TV? Support good TV. And we repeat some things once in a while. Now, you're probably saying, well, why is he talking about repeats? And I just feel like I need to do this out of just confession almost. You're probably thinking, oh, he's going to be in Ephesians. Well, I'm not. Um, but I have taught this text before, but I was actually looking at it, and I think it was years and years and years ago uh, in Romans 8. And... Uh, I wanted to be in this text again. Sometimes it's for my own good. You preach what's on your heart. 
and what God is teaching you and the things you need to be reminded of, even if they're basic truths, even if they're things we've heard so many times, we need this constant understanding that the gospel encompasses our life and it makes life new. It makes us changed. And so it's good to see the truths in the scriptures even over and over again. And uh, for many of you, you're saying this and you're like, uh, Ron, I wasn't anywhere near here, you know, eight years ago or nine years ago. So this isn't new. I know it's just for me and my own like peace of mind. Sometimes you, you feel a little guilty um, doing something kind of reworked, but I'm going to get over it because I believe this is what God has for us this morning. And so let's pray and uh, we'll jump in. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, you are good to us. And Father, what uh, you've given us your word to reveal Christ, to show us how we are to live, and to guide us uh, in the ways that we, we live till you return. And so, Father, be with us this morning. Bless your words. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We just had our main text read to us a few moments ago. But, I, you know, when you're in Romans 8, which may be really a pillar and a cornerstone of, of the New Testament, if not all of Scripture, I, I would venture to say this. I think that you could probably do, a pastor could deliver almost any sermon, and he could find a way to accurately and precisely go to Romans 8 as a cross-reference somewhere along the line. It is just such a powerful chapter stuck in the middle. If Romans is about the gospel, our sin and justified by faith, and then we get into this Christian living section of chapter 6, 7, and 8, and now we move into chapter 8, and look what it just says right in verse 1, right now. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So right now, for those of us in Christ, right this very moment, now we do not live under condemnation. We've been set free. We've been made alive. And so we have this, and then Paul moves on, and I want to start at verse 9, and I'm going to read 9 through 17. Just focus in and look at all that God has done, and we'll quickly summarize it in a moment. But in verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, which means we're in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, focus on that, and I'll read it again. But if, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. 
provided. I didn't want to read that. I wanted to leave that as a big secret, but we'll go, I'll let the secret out. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So much good, isn't there? Look at what Paul is saying about our current life in Christ, what we just read. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Those who belong to Christ have the spirit of God. God is with us. God, the Holy Spirit, indwells us. He is ours. He lives with us. He lives within us. This is a fact. It's a promise. And it's an official act of God that he has given to us as his children. Remember when we were in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1? It said this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Remember what an act of sealing is. Remember when they laid Christ in the tomb. And the Romans went and they put the seal on the stone and said, don't you touch this. This is a Roman property. Well, God destroyed it, didn't he? He rolled the stone away. He wasn't cared about Roman, Roman authority because God is the authority. And Christ was raised from the dead. It's the same thing, though. He says, I've sealed you. This is official. You are mine. No one can do anything about it. You see how Paul then could so freely write, there is therefore now no condemnation. We have a freedom guaranteed by Christ, and the Spirit proves it. In verses 10 through 11, we see Christ is ours, and the Holy Spirit gives us a powerful life. What was dead has been made alive in Christ. In verses 12 through 13 that we just read, we see this contrast. Do this and you will die. Well, what brings death? Living according to the flesh, doing whatever you want, doing what feels good, quenching the spirit, pushing it down, grieving the Holy Spirit. This, when we do this and we say, oh no, sin looks better than Jesus, at that point it says, do this, you will die. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we kill the deeds of the body or the flesh. To quote John Owen, he said this, kill sin or it will kill you. And we kill sin not through our own toughness, our determination, or our grit. Sin is killed by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And the Holy Spirit works within us through the power of God's word. Why would David say, this is why he said it, thy word I have hid in my heart that I may not sin against God. Verses 14 through 17 all who are led by the Spirit, they're sons of God. And we are the children of God. We know we're God's children. Scripture makes this so clear. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God. And so we are. Paul reminds us, we are no longer slaves who live in fear. If you want to note another passage to study on that, maybe later this week, note down Galatians 4, verses 1 through 7. See, we have received the spirit of adoption as sons. We cry out now to God as our father, as an intimate, loving father. Actually, the word Abba there, it carries that papa or that daddy. You know, my middle daughter, bless her, if I get a text that says papa, 
it pretty much means no. I, I just text back, no. <laughs> because I know something's coming. But in a way, she's, she's not here right now, so I can, you know, tell on her a little bit. And she'd be very angry. I, I have to, and well, actually, I don't want her to know this. In a way, it like melts my heart. Because <laughs> that's kind of what happens with dads and daughters. She, she knows that I love her, and she loves me. And when so she says, Papa, chances are, even though I text no, 90%, it's going to be yes, unless it's something absurd, like jumping out of a plane. <laughs> Which she did this week, and I was a wreck. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're still teaching about wisdom in the first work house. But no, it actually looks kind of fun. Anyways, I, I digress. <laughs> God wants us to come to him that way. Do you know that? And it's not flippant. You know, it, it, it's interesting because you read the scriptures and you see Isaiah, you know, anytime, Isaiah, John, anytime uh, the transfiguration, you know, you see someone have an encounter with God in Moses, uh, in his glory. And people hit the deck, don't they? It's too much. But you know, so there is an element of reverence and holiness that we absolutely, in a solemnness. But through Christ, through the Spirit within us, this gap of holiness has been eliminated. We're holy, not by our own works, but because of Jesus Christ's work on the cross, we now have this relationship where God wants us to come to him as Papa. It's amazing. I mean, it's unbelievable. Really, if you didn't know it, if you didn't see this in the scriptures, I think this would be one that maybe oftentimes we'll struggle with. And I think that's why Paul is reminding us, look what God has done. Look who you are. Look at this relationship. You've been adopted. You're children of God. So come to him as a child of God. Come to him as your father. Look what God has done. And if we're God's children, then lit, and we are, then we're heirs. And we're heirs with Christ. We have an inheritance. We're going to be seeing this. So look what God has done. And this leads up to where we're headed. We have new life. Eugene Peterson had a commentary on this. And it said something like this. So don't, don't you see that we don't owe the old do-it-yourself way, I'm going to try my best life, one red cent. There's nothing in it for us. Nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give that old life a decent burial and get on with your new life in Christ. God's spirit beckons. It calls. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life where you just wait to die. No, it's an adventurous, expectant, Life, greeting God with childlike, what's next, Dad? God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is and we know who we are Father and children. We know what's coming to us an unbelievable inheritance. So we see Romans 8. How can we not jump in here and just say, This is great? And it is. It's great. It's so good. But yet, at the end of all this good, here's this in verse 17. Provided 
We suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Suffering. Maybe I'm the only weak guy in here, but I see that and go, thanks, Paul. You have to put that in there? Can we avoid that? Well, I think we know. Now, many of you, maybe you haven't suffered. Some of us, some of you, some of me, and I, you know, we all want to be tough. Oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Just for a moment, Scripture tells us we will suffer. And some of us have suffered greatly. Some of us haven't yet. We will. Scripture promises this as much as it promises the good stuff. And we're going to see today, actually, in a moment, that even the suffering has a whole lot of good in it, too. But we will suffer. If we follow Christ, we will. I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact of this, too, due to the blessings we have that we've had in our lifetime. Do you know that in many countries, talking about suffering, they're like, uh, yeah, hello, every day, every moment. According to the World Evangelical Alliance, over 200 million Christians in at least, in at least, in at least 60 countries are demi- denied fundamental human rights solely because of their faith. You know, persecution is difficult to accurately count. It's difficult to get accurate statistics. Um, But some organizations do their best. Voice of the the Martyrs estimates that around 176,000 believers gave their lives on account of Christ in the years 2008 and 2009. You know, another reason that it's difficult to get accurate uh, information regarding persecution is many who are persecuted suffer in silence. They quietly endure for the sake of the gospel. And they really have no one to tell about their experiences. But you know, following Christ in so many countries, I'm so thankful for the blessings that we have and we should really get off our feet and uh, take advantage of what we have. Well, by God's grace and his sovereign care that we have it. But North Korea, China, Burma, Myanmar, whatever it's supposed to be called right now, and I'm not saying that disrespectfully, legitimately, I can't remember. Iraq and Iran, parts of Eastern North Africa. If you follow Christ, it's a difficult life, one that could be taken at any moment because of your faith. Your scriptures tell us that we will be persecuted and we will suffer due to our relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to jot down some notes or some verses to look up later, Philippians 1.29 James 1, 2 through 4, uh, 1 Peter 3, 14 through 17, and 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19. We will suffer. Back in, I was talking with Karen, back in, I think it was 2010, uh, her and Kelsey had the blessing to go to China, uh, do, some, do some work there in orphanages, and they went to a house church in China. It's an interesting thing to sing and worship with believers, fellow brothers and sisters and in, a, in an atmosphere where it could be broken up with severe consequences. Uh, at that time too, they had the blessing of uh, uh, meeting a precious sister in Christ who suffered tremendously in North Korea. The horrific details. God miraculously and graciously rescued her from that and she uh, 
bears the scars of her, of her relationship with Jesus Christ to this day. Uh, but she would tell you this. Our passage today, what we're about to see, is completely and totally true. Any suffering we experience does not compare with what the glory or with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Great things are happening and are going to happen, and great things are coming, but right now, there's a key word in our text that you maybe saw as we were reading it. There's this word groaning. Groaning is happening. And so we're going to look today, who is groaning and why is there groaning? I'll give you a quick little answer. Sin causes groaning. The fall brought about groaning. Sin messed things up. You know, what did it say when God created the heavens and the earth? He said it was good. Go back to Eden and look at what God had created. I think what has happened is sin has entered the world and our paradise was destroyed. And now, whether in Christ or not in Christ, people are looking for paradise. And they can't find it and will not find it apart from Jesus Christ. But if you don't think people are looking, looking for paradise, you really should. People want an escape from our sin and sin stain in our fallen world. But those without Christ, they're really looking in the wrong places. But for us in Christ, sometimes we get sucked into this too, and we try to find our joy in something that's fake or counterfeit. It's truly not what is best. But have you ever noticed how the world bombards, bombards us with promises of paradise? How often is paradise a marketing tool? In this town alone, and I say this without endorsement of any business or any condemnation of any business, but just in town, we have Paradise Electrical. We have Touch of Paradise Pools. We have Smoker's Paradise. We have Paradise Spa and Salon. If you want to go to Capitol today, you can have brunch or lunch at Paradise Beach Grill. Head down south to Disneyland and stay at the Paradise Pier Hotel. Look at the magazine covers or your online advertisements. Look at TV ads. The world is constantly trying to present some sort of this heavenly perfect life for you to just keep grasping at and keep reaching for it. But you'll never find it. And they don't want you to find it because they want you to buy the next latest and greatest. But we're totally bombarded with this. There's vacation heaven. There's fishing heaven. There's pet heaven. There's relationship heaven. There's bridal heaven. There's backyard heaven. Organized home heaven. Food heaven. Sports heaven. Barbecue heaven. I like that one. <laughs> but people are seeking heaven and paradise all the time. But apart from Christ, I'm saying this again, it's an empty pursuit. In Christ, we see the proper place of food and clothes, our homes, our vacations, this is not where meaning in life is found. Our meaning and our hope and our life is found in Christ. So we really live in opposite to those who seek paradise now. Knowing that paradise is coming. We don't have and we will not have paradise right now. Right now we suffer. Paul knows this. 
Paul knows about suffering. He lives it, he lived it, and he's telling the truth to us here. Right now we groan and suffer, but we do so with hope. Now, if you think Paul doesn't know about suffering, look at 2 Corinthians again sometime. I'll summarize it here. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. Paul gives this resume of suffering that he's had. He labored for Christ, and this is what Paul received for it. Imprisonment, countless beatings often near death, five times lashed to the max, which is 40 less one, three times beaten with rods. He was stoned, three times shipwrecked. He was a night and a day adrift at sea. He had frequent travel with dangers from rivers and robbers. Faithful Judaizers, Judaizers didn't like him. Pagan Gentiles didn't like him. He had dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false teachers. He had toil, hardship, a lack of sleep, hunger, and thirst. He was exposed often in cold. He was bitten by a serpent. What could be worse? <laughs> and then the pressures and the anxiety of caring for the church. Paul suffered and endured great pains and agony on account of Christ and the gospel. But then look at verses 19, or 19 and 22. We'll start at 18 again. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Look. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation being, uh, creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who, subject, who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we, eagerly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons of the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Look what's happening. Creation is waiting. It's in a holding pattern. Waiting with longer longing for the revealing of the sons of God. It is waiting for all things to be new. Why? Why is creation groaning? Why, why is this happening? Well, it says this in our text. Creation was subjected to futility due to sin. Not willingly, but because of God who subjected it. But we see this also. In hope, creation will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You see, I think what happens is, and we touched a hint, I think I mentioned this a hint earlier, we underestimate the effects of the fall. What really happened when Adam sinned? Now look in Genesis 3.17, and look what happened when sin brought the curse. And God said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth. 
for you, and you shall eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. See, what was perfect, what was good, what was paradise is now fallen and broken. Creation groans. It's waiting. Creation is awaiting the final and the complete renewal and final redemption. You know, we see this groaning. When we see the destruction of tornadoes and earthquakes, hurricanes, flooding, our state was on fire this year. When we see this, it should be a reminder that things aren't right. And we should cry out, Lord, come quickly. Make things new. It says this in our text. Creation awaits redemption like an expectant mother awaits giving birth to a child. Creation groans. But it says this. We too groan. Man is groaning. Verses 23 and 25 and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For this is the hope. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So not only creation, but we ourselves, we groan. And we have the Holy Spirit. Christ is in our life. And we too, we groan. But we groan with hope. We groan knowing it's not yet finished. And we long for completion. We await the completion of our adoption. We await the redemption of our bodies. Now we say, well, Ron, we saw it in Ephesians. We see it in Scripture. We are adopted. Right? But yet, we long for the presence of the Father, don't we? Scripture is clear. If you want to write down proof that we are adopted, Romans 8, 15, Galatians 4, 1 through 7, Ephesians 1, 5, 1 John 3, 1, Galatians 3, 26. This is a clear picture of the already, but not yet. We long to be together. The reality is absolutely true. The completion is not yet fully there. Katie, can I talk about you for a second? Good. She didn't say yes or no. I just, I'm going to assume. When we were waiting for Katie, awesome time. In fact, as the, I can't believe she's starting high school next year and making me feel old. Um, we, we were blessed with Katie in China about two days before she turned one. So, but uh, I'm trying, about three months, four months before before going to China, we, we got the picture. This cute little kid. I think she looked a little bit like Yoda, which in our house is a compliment, and she's wise like Yoda. Sorry, Katie. But we got this picture, and I gotta tell you what, at that moment, there's, there's nothing to describe it, but Karen and I, and, and I'm gonna keep a grip here, we said, that's our daughter. It was absolutely 100% reality, Katie was our daughter. And we could not wait to get on a plane and get to China and make this complete. We needed her in our arms. And that was actually torturous for us. 
those months waiting for that. We had this picture. Here she is. Here's my daughter. We got to go. We got to go. Do we long for God the same way? We got to get to him. We got to see him. And see, and that's why we grow. We know. Thanks, Darren. He killed me. We can't wait. We can't wait. We see what God has done for us. And we're just going to go, oh, well, well, one day heaven's coming. No. So when the pain comes, the suffering comes, we go, it's just not right yet. Come, Lord Jesus, make it new. I'm groaning. If you're honest with yourself, you're groaning really sometimes moment by moment. Because it's not finished yet. We groan for the redemption of our bodies is, is what it says. We long for the work that's begun in us to be completed when we'll be united with our Father for all eternity. We're not with Dad. We have so much of a good taste of it though. Dad was good. He gave us himself to live within us as a promise, as a guarantee. But even with that, we groan and we wait. It says this, the redemption of our bodies. On Sundays, I'm up here often, and not to pat yourself on the back or give you a big head, but you're a good-looking group of people. And you know why? All of us are God's image bearers. We are made in the image of God. Yet due to sin, our bodies fail us. You know, in a lighthearted way, we know this is true. Bad breath. We take pains to make sure we don't smell. We get cavities and root canals and dental implants. We may have high blood pressure, bad backs, bad knees, bad hips that need replacement, glasses. I had the big debate, do I take one contact out right now so I could read a little bit better but still see you with one other eye? It's getting worse every Sunday, it seems like. We have battles with cataracts. We have battles with weight loss or weight gain. We have creaky joints. My kids always kind of go, Dad, why, why'd you just sigh like that? Why'd you groan? Because everything's popping and I ache. And it seems to get worse. We know we're breaking down. I remember being in my early 30s and ending up needing major knee surgery because my mind said, sure, you can do that. And my body said, absolutely, no, you can't. Young people, your day's coming. but on a not light level. I mean, these are sufferings that we know and we just kind of grin and bear it, but on a not light level, there are heavy reminders of the creation groaning that we are waiting final redemption. Cancer, heart disease, parents struggling with Alzheimer's and dementia, blindness, miscarriage, genetic diseases with no known cures, you see, we have constant reminders that the curse of sin has hit hard and it's hit us. 
And we groan in our falling world, but we groan with hope. You know, even though our bodies are broken, it's amazing that scripture still says, hey, what you've been given, you take care of it. And you use it for worship. Romans 12, our bodies are to be used in sacrificial worship, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. 1 Corinthians 6, 13 says this, that the body is meant for the Lord. Later in 1 Corinthians 6, it says this, that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within us, that you're not your own, you've been bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Romans 6 tells us, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. You see, creation groans, and we groan. There is groaning happening, because we long to be with the Father. We long for a final redemption. But look at this in verses 26 through 28. Someone else groans. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with what? Groanings, too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Do you see this? Creation is groaning, waiting for Christ's return. We are groaning, awaiting for Christ's return for our final redemption. And the Spirit is groaning for us before the throne of God to intercede for us when we don't even know what to pray. When a friend says, pray for me, and they say, I don't even know what to pray for, bank on the promises of God and just say, Father, we come before you and we are asking for you to fulfill this promise that the Holy Spirit is going to pray better than I could ever pray. He's going to pray perfectly. What? Second thing, be confident in your prayers. We're called to pray, so pray. And guess who fills in the blanks? Or guess who just says, by grace, I'm erasing what you think is right, and I'm going to take over. The Spirit, before the throne of God, intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. What does that mean? I don't know. It's, he's groaning. But I know this, it's perfect. Absolutely, 100% perfect. How this works, I don't know. But what do we do? In faith, pray. Why do you think Paul, or in the book of James, in the scriptures, it says, don't pray just willy-nilly. Pray in faith for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For net let, net let, the, net, uh, let not the doubting man expect to receive anything from the Lord. We don't have to doubt. The Spirit prays for us. Pray more. Pray more. And what will God do? Because He's so good. 
creation groans. We groan. The Holy Spirit, who's also called our comforter, groans and intercedes for us. And we're waiting for something. Well, what are we waiting for? Why the groaning? We're waiting for one day. One day. All pain, disease. <clears throat> Man, am I getting old? <laughs> Disability and death will be gone. Man, there's a lot of pain. I'm one of those guys who like, you know, we had a president once who said, I feel your pain. I'm like, man, I think you're lying because I feel people's pain. That's how God made me. I don't really like it, I gotta be honest. It's a lot easier to kind of be hard. I'm sometimes jealous of those who can just like use the force and push it all away. I, I don't have that. I never had, even as a kid. Oh, God made me, I suppose. But some of you are suffering a lot. You're growing a lot. Makes me feel like my bad back, no biggie. But one day, all pain and disease will Death will be gone. One day all sin, this is so good. All sin, which you know how much sin takes residence or uses our body to get done. One day all sin, which so often takes our bodies for its base of operations, will be gone. And it will be vanquished. Not because we'll be rid of our bodies, but because in a mysterious and wonderfully spiritually way, we will have new and glorious bodies which are capable of touch and smell and taste and hearing and seeing and walking and running and jumping and eating. This is what we'll do in God's kingdom. What's broken will be replaced with perfection. We have to turn there. Revelation 21. I think sometimes we really just ignore the end or we spiritualize it or something. And but we groan till this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is what everyone's waiting for. This is why we're groaning. Creation's waiting for this. We're waiting for this. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, will be with dad. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither, there shall, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's what we wait for. Until this we groan, but look what we groan. We groan with hope. The earth will be made new. We see in this passage a new heaven and a new earth with an incredible capital city where God dwells. 
We see rivers and trees and fruit. We see water as bright as crystal in the scriptures. Think of the most beautiful places that you've ever seen. I want you to do this for a moment. Think of the most beautiful things you've seen here on earth. And they are beautiful. It's part of God's common grace. Maybe it's a sunrise over the granite mountains of Yosemite. Maybe it's our redwood forest just over a few miles away. Or the cliffs of the sea. Maybe it's a Hawaiian sunset or a starry sky on a dark, clear night. Right now, picture all the beauty that you may have seen in your travels as God has blessed you to see his creation. It's beautiful, isn't it? You know what you saw? You saw a groaning, sin-stained creation, even in its beauty. We are now experienced in seeing a fallen, groaning creation. You know, when things are made new, I, this is, I suppose, opinion. You can take it or leave it. But I'm going to throw it out there anyways. I don't think we've never seen the color blue. I don't think we've seen green. We've seen, we've seen sin-stained blue and sin-stained green. I wonder what the garden was like. We see beauty through eyes with cataracts and contact lenses and glasses. Yet, in all this, we still see, by God's grace, we see a world, because he's so good, where what? The heavens still declare the glory of God. And creation still cries out in worship. But it's also waiting as we are. We will be made new. We all have eyes whose tears have been wiped away. Our text was clear. We're groaning. We are waiting. We await the redemption of our bodies. And friends, heaven's not a retirement home in the sky. Heaven's not boring. Heaven will not be void of all activity, except for singing. It is not an eternal choir sing. I think the enemy wants us to believe that heaven is lifeless and boring. But in heaven, we're going to fully practice this perfectly. This is where we get to do this right. We practice now, but it'll be, be forever. In heaven, whatever you do in word or deed, which is actions, which means we'll be working for God's glory. We'll be doing things. We'll be moving and eating and drinking and loving. But we're going to be able to fully do it all to the glory of God because our final redemption will be made complete. Now we wait. And yes, we groan. Oh, but we have hope. And that hope is through Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, he is your only hope. God was good. He does not leave us groaning. He sent his son to come live a perfect life and to take the penalty and the punishment that we so deserved. And he came and he took our sins on a cross and he died for us. Turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. And you'll still groan, but you groan with hope. And the end is so good.
Christ is ours forevermore.